Welcome, everybody, to the Pub Trivia Experience. My name is Mike, and I am really excited for our show tonight, because tonight we are definitely putting the pub in Pub Trivia Experience. Tonight's trivia game is all about a subject near and dear to my heart, beer. Yeah. Uh, as you all know, uh, here on the Pub Trivia Experience, we like to talk a little bit about what we're drinking. And of course, tonight I am drinking uh, lovely beer from Trim Tab Brewing that I've featured on this podcast a couple times before. It's uh, their Trident Hazy Double IPA. Pop that puppy open. Ah, this is part of their, mm, mm, that's good. This is part of their Light Visions collection. They re basically release a new IPA every month. Of course, if you're a longtime listener, you probably know that because I tend to feature these guys on a pretty regular basis. But of course, I can't do this alone. And tonight, it's going to be me versus Chris, our uh, founder, I guess we can say. Um, I think we're all there that night, Mike. Well, that is that is true. Uh Chris, Chris and I have had a uh, recent series of one-on-one -on -one bouts that have, um, let me modestly say, gone overwhelmingly in my favor. So uh, tonight, uh, I'm joined also by my lovely wife, Nikki, who's going to uh, uh, be hosting the game. But uh, first of all, are you drinking anything tonight, baby? No, I'm just having water tonight. I'll leave the beer to you right. tonight. Um, gotta, yeah. gotta stay. Sober to read to, the questions. Yeah, to uh, to keep us in line, right? <laughs> Chris, what about you, my friend? How you doing tonight? Uh, man, I'm good. Uh, weekend's over. Back to work tomorrow. But no, I'm I'm having a good night. Uh, I am not drinking beer though. I'm still on my beer cleanse. It's sad. Uh, no, yeah. I have got. I actually cracked. This is a bottle crack. Um, this is a brand new bottle I just bought last week from Sunshine Liquors here in Palm Harbor. It is a private barrel for them. It's Redemption, uh, Redemption Distillery. This is their high rye bourbon. It's single barrel select, obviously, because it's a barrel select. Let's take a sip. Oh, that's smooth. Uh, that's dangerously smooth. <laughs> uh, the, the burn is all up front. There's no burn in the back. The burn's all up front. Um, hmm. But I did not take a small sip, and that is... Dang, damn, I've never had Redemption before. This is good. Why have I heard of that? Like, Redemption Rye sounds really familiar, and I don't know why. I'm trying to see who they're owned by. I don't even know. Yeah, it just, it, I don't know why it sounds familiar. You know, I'm not even really a huge whiskey guy, but... Oh, they're they're not even out of Kentucky. They're It's called a... Oh, it's not a Kentucky bourbon. Nope, this well, is Indiana. Huh. It's an Indiana bourbon. Hey, you guys do a good job. Nicely done. <laughs> Sweet. Well, Re Redemption, I guess, is the name of the game for you tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I am 0 for 4 in one-on-one -on -one games against Mike. This seemed like a fitting bottle to pick for tonight. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know if anybody can hear in the background, but we've got the monitor on, and our uh, our three-year-old is technically asleep, but not, or she's in her bed, but she's not asleep, and she's definitely having conversations and just going to town very enthusiastically. So if any of that's coming through, I apologize. <laughs> She's playing some game with her toys. I yeah, it, exactly. She has a good time. <laughs> Kids imagination is always running wild. That's crazy. That's a good thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but without further ado, uh, let me hand it over to Nikki. You want to tell us uh, about the game we're playing tonight? 
Uh, sure. So, I'm not even sure where we got this. Was this a Christmas gift? I have had this probably nigh on a decade now. Like, oh, So, wow. if there's anything that's outdated, I don't even know. I have not looked at this at all. Uh, it was a, it was a, want to say like a stocking stuffer or something like that many, many years ago. And I'd always kind of been aware of its existence and always wanted to play it and just never got around to it. And this seemed like a good opportunity. So, so the game is called, uh, beer smarts tap your now your tap, your knowledge, your knowledge, your knowledge, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, they're very, you know, punny with the tap tap. Yep. I like tap your knowledge. Um, and of course, at the quote on the front is one of my favorite quotes. Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy by Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> and it's the intoxicating question and answer game that makes soaking in the wonderful world of beer easy and fun. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and it says beer is so popular, they named a belly after it. They like, they, like they like these puns. Man, someone, yeah, the- someone got paid really well to write that. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, awesome. if, so if if anybody's interested in purchasing this game, yeah, it's called Beer Smarts. They are not sponsored, or we're not sponsored in any way. But um, it actually looks like the game was designed in Canada. So, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so we'll see how this. Well, goes. yeah, locking in with um, Molsons. So basically, it's it's just um, a bunch of question cards, and there's four different categories. So the category number one is uh, beerology, which is also the science of stu- of suds is the category. So beerology, the science of suds, is category number one. Category number two, we have pub crawl, which are brews around the world. So pub crawl, booze around, oh, brews, sorry, booze, brews. Booze, brews, it works. Yeah, brews around the world. And then we have uh, category three, which is buzzwords, beer terms from ale to zimmergy. Well, I don't even know what that word means, so this that doesn't. <laughs> if anybody sound knows good. what zimmergy is, apparently it is z y m u r g y. I mean, I know what ale is, but zimmergy? Not yeah. sure. Good luck, guys. Yep. All right, and then uh, <laughs> beer one hundred and one, which is random beer facts. So that's a potpourri. Yes. So those are the categories. So what we're going to do um, is just to kind of get our players familiar with the cards. The first round, I'm going to do just a true or false question and answer. And then um, one, one from each category, one right? from each category. Right. And whoever gets the most right, will get to go first. And the objective that we're doing, um, I'm not sure if it's the objective in the game, but it is what we're doing for tonight um, is each the first of you to have uh, three questions right from each category is the winner. Yeah. And so, we'll, we'll go back. We'll go back and forth. So we'll yeah, trade off and questions. you'll trade off picking your categories. Um, but I will go ahead and ask the first round of questions, and it's true or false. So I mean, is it just first to get it right? I mean, we'll both we'll both lock in. And we'll okay, see. just lock in. Yeah. Okay. And if if it ends up tied, I'll let Chris go first since uh, he's zero for four against me. So. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Dawn Sorry, of the buddy. Living Dead over there. What the hell? I yeah, I, I know. Well, none of those were horror movie trivia. So. <laughs> All right. So this is beerology. So the science of suds, and it is a true or false. There is no difference between skunked beer and spoiled beer. 
I will lock in. Oh Lord, I yeah, I mean it's that's the thing. Like it, I did not know there was. I don't know if there is a difference. Uh, in my head, it says no, but this seems like one of those logic questions, uh, and I'm not good at logic, so I'm gonna say going against my opinion. I'm gonna say yes, there is a difference. I don't know what that difference would be. So that's. It's false that there is no difference. Then you're saying it's false that there is no difference. Oh my god! It's I a have... double. I know they're throwing the double negatives at us here. I'm just trying to. So you think you... there is a difference? You're, you're saying there is a difference. I'm saying there is a difference. Okay, I I locked in with false, which to me was also that I was saying that there is a difference between skunked beer and spoiled beer. Oh well, now you sorry, you guys both said we're false? both saying false. Okay. Correct. All right. So the question was, true or false, there is no difference between skunked beer and spoiled beer. And the correct answer is false. A skunked beer might be considered spoiled, but a spoiled beer isn't necessarily skunked. Skunking occurs when a beer is light struck, meaning that it has been exposed to strong ultraviolet light. Ultraviolet light creates a chemical reaction in the hops, leading to a skunky odor. A beer can also be spoiled if it's not properly stored or handled. Hmm. It has been brewed incorrectly, or it has been contaminated, for example, by bacteria or oxygen, all of which can result in an off-fit flavor such as sourness, sulfur, chlorine, or even paint thinner. Oh, holy shit, yeah, they have like full paragraphs on yeah. these cards. <laughs> We're going to learn something tonight, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Yeah, so we're going to be very educated on beer this evening. Okay, the next category is pub crawl. True or false? Stella Etois was originally brewed as a limited release Christmas beer. I'll lock. <laughs> My inclination is to say true just because it's sort of game theory, but it's kind of a weird question to ask if the answer is false. So I'm going to say true. Okay, so Mike locks in with true, Chris. Yeah, I I had the, the same thing. It seems like a random fact more so than like true trivia. So I went with true and the correct answer is true in 1926 the etoile brewery in belgium created a traditional holiday beer to celebrate christmas the brew came out especially sparkly so they decided to call it stella which is latin for star needless to say stella was a huge hit and it is now served 365 days a year in more than 80 countries hey stella Sorry. It's very sparkly beer. Oh, I desire you to stop uh, yelling that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are now tied two for two. All right. Buzzwords is the next category. True or false? A Trojan horse is a cocktail of Guinness mixed with cola. I'll lock in. Yeah, I was actually just about to lock in. Uh, I'm trying to think in my head, like, does Guinness and cola go together? And I think they do. Uh, and a Trojan horse would be a unique way of of putting that. So I'm going to say true. Okay, Mike, what'd you lock in with? Oh, this is this is separation time because I I for so, when I think of Trojan horse, I would think like you're you're trying to sneak in something inside something else, and I don't think Guinness. And maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems like Guinness wouldn't be able to be sneakable with cola. So I said false. All right. So Chris is locked in with true, and Mike is locked in with false. And the correct answer is true. Ah. Ah. 
Mix a half pint of Guinness stout with a half pint of cola, and you have a Trojan horse on your hands. Ooh. Guinness is used for many delicious cocktails, including the Black and Tan, which is Guinness and Ale, the Black Velvet, Guinness and Champagne, and the Irish Car Bomb, Guinness with Irish Cream and Irish Whiskey. My goodness, indeed. <laughs> oh, I'd go for an Irish Car Bomb. That sounds good. Oh, I, lo- I love I've Irish never Carbomb. tried Guinness and Champagne. Maybe I would like it I was because just... I, I think... Guinness, I kind of like the flavor, but I think if it added having a little carbonation, Light, yeah, and lighten good. it up a little bit, yeah, I might have to try that one. Day. Yeah, that's called a black velvet. A black velvet. Yeah, I've never tried it before either. I like my, I like myself some champagnes and yeah. bubbles, so I think I like that. I'll try it. All right, so we Chris are is now in the lead. Chris in the lead. <laughs> Stop the count. <laughs> All right, and the next category is beer one hundred and one, which is just random beer facts. The true or false, low-calorie light beer was introduced to customers or to consumers in 1977. I'll lock it in. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll um, I mean, that that's again, like, like was Chris was saying with the, with the second question, like that just seems like more of a random fact necessarily than, than trivia. So it's like, it's kind of like, Hey, guess what? This was, this was introduced in 1977. Like. I feel like this, the year, the fact that they gave the specific year makes it seem like this is probably true. See, I had the opposite thought. Uh, the year seemed late to me, so I went with false. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And the correct answer is false. Ah, damn it. Yeah, 67 <laughs> is a little like diet sodas were probably in like the 50s. So. Yeah, I guess that's true. All right, so distributed by the Rheinwall Brewery, Gablinger's Diet Beer, the first beer ever brewed with no carbohydrates, was introduced in 1967. It was made using an enzyme process invented by a biochemist, Dr. Joseph Alwades, also known as the father of light beer. Hmm. Marketed as the be- marketed the beer, at, so it was marketed as the beer that doesn't fill you up. Gablinger's didn't sell very well. <laughs> 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 Some blame the name and others the taste, but when, when Miller Brewing acquired the rights to the light beer process in the 1970s, the idea took off, and great taste, less f- filling, became one of the longest-running and most successful advertising campaigns of all time. Yep. That makes Alrighty. sense. Well, that's okay. So that was our, just that, that was just a sample round, just so you can kind of get to know the questions a little bit. And bodes well for Chris, yeah. and not so well Some for Some of Mike, these so. questions are going to be true and false. Some of them are going to be multiple choice throughout the game. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of take turns. Chris, um, you get the option of going first, and you can uh, choose your category. Um, yeah, let's start with beer 101. That sounds like fun. All right, Chris is going with Beer 101. All right, question. Rising country star Josh Thompson sings the hit song A, Beer on the Fly, B, Beer on the Mind, C, Beer on the Wall, or D, Beer on the Table. Oh, my God, I know this song. Hold on. That makes one of us. No, it's a... I can't think of, I think it's beer on the table. I can't, I, I, I've heard that. So I have this weird thing in my, in my life where I will kind of swing rapidly back and forth between like genres of music that I listen to and I'll consume a bunch of it in like a two week period. And I do have like a two week period a year where I dive into country music. Um, and I try and stay away from like that bro country, but I, this is not one of those. I, I, I think it's, I work hard all week to put some beer on the table. That lyric is stuck in my head. I'm saying beer on the table. 
Brian and Chris is going with beer on the table. And the correct answer is D, beer on the table. Yes. Josh Thompson's Beer on the Table debuted at number 55 on the country music charts and eventually made it to the top 20. The song lyrics reflect the singer's blue-collar, beer-drinking background. We highly recommend singing it along with Thompson's hit tune the next time you're drinking beers with friends on a Friday night. So good to know. Yeah. All right. So Chris now has one orange. Yeah, orange is beer yeah, 101. Yeah, orange is beer 101. They're color-coded. Sorry. They're color-coded. Excuse me. I, didn't, yeah. I never mentioned it. They're <laughs> color-coded. But Chris has one beer 101. All right. So, Mike, it is your turn and choose your category. Hmm. <laughs> I will do pub crawl. Pub crawl. So beers around the world. Okay, question. What is the oldest active brewery in the world? Is it A, Switzerland, B, Germany, C, Ireland, or D, Japan? Oh, so it just needs to know the country, not the specific brewery? Okay. Just the country. I mean, offhand, my inclination is to say Germany because they have, you know, they're kind of known for their beer, but... Uh, Germany has also had a couple of, um, shall we say, global incidents that could have potentially disrupted uh, the operation of breweries um, over the years. Uh, Meanwhile, Switzerland has pretty much stayed out of all of that stuff. Um, uh, Japan is a little bit of a wild card in there. Uh, So... Not that they haven't also had their their similar global incidences... Uh, I don't think it's Ireland. Maybe it's Ireland. It could be Ireland, certainly. Um, man, I have no idea. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that logic, and I'm gonna say Switzerland. Ooh. And Mike is locking it with Switzerland. Can I take a, can I take a guess for no points? Yeah, sure. I yeah, know the oldest tea house in the world is in Japan, so I'm willing to. Mm. Um, my logic tells me that the oldest brewery might be there as well. All right, and the answer is B, Germany. Ah. <laughs> situated Should've in the gone with my original yeah. gut. Yep. Situated in a small town just north of Munich, Germany, the Wellwelfenstephen Brewery was originally a Benedictic is it Benedictine? Oh, the Benedictine. The Benedictine. Oh, yeah, I've had sorry. their beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Benedictine <laughs> monastery founded in 740 CE, but beer oh, wasn't wow. made there until 1040 when a guy named Abbott Arnold acquired the brewing rights and license from a nearby monastery. In spite of experiencing four fires, three plagues, and a major earthquake, how do you say the name of the beer? Uh, uh, the Henstefan, right? The Henstefan has been brewing beer continually for nearly a thousand years. That's pretty good, like, yeah. consistency. And it, all, it also gives me a much better connotation to 1040. <laughs> all Sorry, right. that was a little tax joke for you accountants wah, out there. Wah, all right. <laughs> Next trips, I, do I, got, I got that one. <laughs> uh, it was bad. All right. And Chris, what would you like for your category? Uh, I, I, a question that doesn't mean anything to anyone but me, but what color are the others? Because I need to make sure I don't put blue and orange together. Okay. <laughs> uh, pub call is green. Buzzwords is blue. Beerology is purple. And beer 101 is orange. Purple and blue are a little too close for me, so I'm going to go with Pub Crawl. (laughs) Question. What is the national beer of Jamaica? Is it A, Carib, B, Red Stripe, C, Presidente, or D, Kingston? 
Uh, so Kingston's the capital of Jamaica, I believe. So I'm going to eliminate Kingston. Uh, Red Stripe has, hooray, beer. Um, uh, what was the third one that you said? Uh, Presidente. See, Presidente sounds familiar. Red Stripe is like the one that I associate most with. I think it's Jamaica. I think I associate it with Jamaica because I think it's a Jamaican accent in the commercial. Uh, the first one doesn't sound familiar at all. So I'm between B and C. I'm going to go with B, Red Stripe. And the answer is B, Red Stripe. Mm-hmm. A true Jamaican beer, Red Stripe is a pale lager best known for its distinctive stubby brown bottle and a bold red diagonal stripe. Some reports claim that the Red Stripe was inspired by the red stripes on the trousers of Kingston, Jamaica's police uniforms. The first Red Stripe beer was brewed in 1928 as an ale, but it didn't go over well with the locals. So in 1938, the company developed a lager version that was light and refreshing, the perfect beer for the Caribbean climate. Hooray, Red Stripe. Hooray, beer. Those commercials were great. They are. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of their beer, though. I'm sorry. It was never. Uh, never one I was going to grab if I had it's to grab fine. one. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't dislike it. Every now and then I'll order one, but it's 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 definitely not a go-to for me. All right. So, Mike, what would you like your category color to be? I'm a little scared of beerology, so let's do buzzwords. All right. He's going for blue buzzwords. But then again, I'm still not sure what Z- Zimmergy is, so maybe that's a bad <laughs> idea. All right, question. A bloody brew cocktail consists of beer, tomato juice, and what other alcohol? Is it A, tequila, B, vodka, C, rum, or D, gin? Is tequila, vodka, rum, or gin? Yeah, tequila, vodka, rum, gin. It's called a bloody brew. bloody brew. See, where I'm getting hung up is there is um, there's a something Mary that is, but that's just... Right, that's just replacing beer with vodka, and I forget what that's called. But there's it's basically a, a version of um, the Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary is vodka, and I thought there was I thought there was a something else Mary that's just you replace the vodka with beer. So I'm going to say a Bloody Brew is all three, and I'm going to say vodka, which was I think B. And the answer is B, vodka. A Bloody Brew is made with three ounces of beer, four ounces of tomato juice, and two ounces of vodka. Like a Bloody Mary, a Bloody Brew also needs some Tabasco sauce as well as a dash of salt and pepper. Top off your concoction with a dill pickle, green olive, celery spear, or lemon wedge for a bloody good drink. I am making myself one of those sometime. <laughs> you like that Bloody Mary? I love, I love Bloody Mary. So you so, might like yeah. it. Probably would be good. It just adds a little oh, carbonation, yeah. really. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to hardly taste the beer. All right. So Mike is now on the board with one blue card. And Chris has one orange card and one green card. All right, Chris, what would you like your category to be? So that was buzzwords for Mike, is that right? Yes. Okay. Just so I know to avoid that category, um, I realize well, you gotta, now... You got to get one of each one. So buzzwords, was again, was beer terms from ale to zimmergy. I realize now that I to avoid putting orange and blue together, I accidentally put orange and green together, so I'm not happy with that decision. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with a... Beerology. Let's give that one a shot. All right. Beerology, the science of suds. Science. What it? Yeah, science. <laughs> science. <laughs> All right. Beerology. What is the definition of a craft brewer in the U.S.? 
Is it A, a brewer that specializes in unconventional flavored beers? B, the person who is in charge of a brewery? C, a small independent and traditional brewer? Or D, any brewer who produces fewer than 100 barrels annually? This was the definition of a craft brew, is that right? A craft brewer in America, yeah. Okay, this is going to sound weird. Can I get you to read each one, just like read the option out, and I'll, and I'll try and talk myself into or out of an answer? Sure. So A, a brewer that specializes in unconventional flavored beers. See, that doesn't quite ring true to me. It's, I'm not eliminating it, but like Yingling is a craft brew. Um, but they do have like the Hershey's, the Hershey lager. I'm not going to eliminate it, but let's, what's B? I'm going to see if I can eliminate some of these. All right. B is the person who is in charge of a brewery. It doesn't sound right. I feel like there would be another name for that person. Um, no, I'm going to eliminate B. All right. And C is a small, independent, and traditional brewer. What's bothering me there is I think like Sam Adams or the Boston Beer Company is technically a craft brewery and they're not a small independent brewer. They might be independent. They're not a small brewer. Okay. And D was? Any brewer who produces fewer than 100 barrels annually. Yeah, I'm going to eliminate D just because of my definition of craft beer. I have no idea if this is accurate or not. My definition of craft beer would still put like Sam Adams and stuff like that in the craft beer scene along with like how many different breweries here and I'm pretty sure they all do more than 100 barrels so I'm between A and C what's bothering me is the verbiage in A is not definitive enough and I could be getting way too technical on this so I'm going to go with C and go with the, the generic answer and the correct answer is C a small independent and traditional brewer according to the Brewers Association an American craft brewer is a small independent and traditional by small, that means a yearly production of fewer than 2 million barrels. By independent, they mean that less than a quarter of the company is owned or controlled by an industry member who is not a craft brewer, e.g. E a mega brewery. And by traditional, they mean one that either has all malt flagship beer or, or at least half of its volume in either all malt beers or beers that have adjuncts to enhance, not lighten the flavor. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I knew I knew part of it had to do with how many how many barrels they made a year, but I knew a hundred was ridiculously low. Yeah, that that that's what kind of threw me off. That's I mean, Crooked Thumb does more than a hundred, and they're a smaller exactly exactly smaller tap house. Although this is apparently ten years old, so yeah, I, I looked. The copyright date is two thousand eleven. So I am going to go with Beer One Hundred and One. Question: Scientific studies show that the shape of the glassware directly influences. What is what's in your beer? A temperature, B head augmentation and retention, C taste and smell, or D color. Pretty sure it's not D. What was A and C? Temper it was, it was A temperature. A is temperature. B is head augmentation and retention. C taste and smell. D color. I don't think it's temperature either. Head augmentation and retention. Mm. That one, I mean, that kind of makes sense. That seems like it would be uh, most influence. It's. I don't know that the taste necessarily because it's. This is specifically shape of the bottle. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so the shape of the glassware directly of the influences. Glassware. Yeah. 
Oh, but it's not talking about bottles. It's talking about glassware. Yeah. Oh. So just like when you pour it into a glass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, in that case, I would say from my experience, I pretty much know for a fact that it influenced the taste and the smell. So I'm going to say C. The answer is actually B, head yeah. augmentation and retention. Ever wondered why your Pilsner or lager gives bad head? Ha-ha. <laughs> if you drink your brews... <laughs> We're all 13 If you drink your brews out of just any old glass, then this message could save your beer sipping life. Choosing the right glass is as important as picking a good beer. A short, fat glass and a tall, thin glass don't form head the same way. Call it beer snobbery, but shape does matter. Hmm. I mean, I definitely thought it had an impact on the taste as well, but... All right, Chris, what would you like your category to be? Okay, I feel like I've opened up a pretty decent-sized lead now. I think I'm up... Am I up three to one right now? Is that right? Yes, three to one. All right. Uh, you know what? I don't have anything in buzzwords. Let's go to buzzwords. All right. When discussing beer, nose refers to the A, head of the beer, B, color of the beer, C, aroma of the beer, or D, bitterness of the beer. Hey, Mike, get your head out of your hands. <laughs> Uh, well, I think I use my nose to see things with my mind. <laughs> uh, no, it's got to be the aroma of the beer, right? Like, I, I don't know that from a, from a, a wine, from a, a beer drinking, but I've drank, I've been to enough uh, wineries to do the wine tasting. I've been to enough distilleries to do the bourbon tasting and the whiskey tasting. Almost positive that's aroma. And the correct answer is C, aroma. Yep. Nose or bouquet is used to describe the aroma of a fragrance of the beer. When doing a beer tasting, you should always judge the nose of the brew before you taste it. Try to identify the specific aromas or odors. The smell Does it smell of hops, malt? Is it nutty, spicy, or fruity? Do you detect any skunkiness, sulfur, or chlorine? If so, you might want to sip it. You might, you might not want to sip it. Life <laughs> might be short, but take time to stop and smell the beers. <laughs> that's, good, that's good advice. All right, and Chris officially has one from each category. Ugh. All right, Mike. All right, I'll do beerology. I've been avoiding it for some reason. Might as well dive in and see if I can change my fortunes here. All right, and beerology. Question, what is dry hopping? A, adding hops to the beer after fermentation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. B, adding hops to the beer before the onset of fermentation. C, using less than one ounce of hops in the brew. Or D, using three or more ounces of hops in the brew. It's either A or B. I don't think it has to. It doesn't have to do with the amount of hops. I'm almost positive. This, this actually really bugs me because I love dry hops. Beers, but I've never really known like what that means from a from a uh, brewing perspective. I want to say, so it's either either before before fermentation or after fermentation, right? Yeah, A is adding hops to the beer after fermentation, and B is adding hops to the beer before the onset of fermentation. I mean, I'm pretty sure you generally add hops before, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna say after. All right. So you're going with adding hops to the beer after fermentation? Yes. And the correct answer is A, adding hops to the beer after fermentation. You know, I actually remember this one from when we did our like beer tour, remember? Yeah. They like showed us like Right. Oh yeah, about, yeah, that's they right. They were talking about making hoppier beers. That's right. right. I that's right. right. 
The dry hopping is the process of adding hops to the beer, either in the fermenter or the keg. After fermentation, this technique is used to enhance the hoppy aroma and flavor of the beer without increasing its bitterness. The dry hops don't impart bitterness because they aren't boiled. Brewers usually recommend using about one to two ounces of dry hops for every five gallons of beer and letting them soak in the finished beer for at least a few days and sometimes several weeks. It all depends on how hoppy the brewer wants to be the finished product to be. All right. All right. Man, this whoever the per, same person that wrote the log lines for this is the same person that wrote some of these questions, and they are just punny as hell. <laughs> like thirteen year old Chris is laughing internally here. All right, Chris, what's your category? Okay. Uh you know what? Let's go to let's go to Beer 101 again. Let's see how I do there. All right. This is a true or false question. True or false? Samuel Adams Triple Bach has an alcohol content of 17.5%. Whoa. Oh, there's no way to logic to this. I Can I think of a beer that would have... I mean, I'm trying to think. Do I know of what the alcohol content on a typical like Bach beer is? Like Shiner is my favorite Bach beer. I thought they were like six to seven percent. I don't think it's like an overly. It's higher on that range. But I don't think. God, a triple Bach could it have seventeen and a half percent? Could any beer have seventeen and a half percent alcohol? Oh my god. Again, this this screams like one of those questions that. Like, this is a random fact. I'm going to turn it into a true and false. But the the number seems too high to me. I'm going to go false. All right. And the correct answer is true. Sam Adams Triple Bach is an experimental ale that was released only in 1994, 1995, and 1997. Hmm. It is dark, thick, and uber-rich in aroma. At the time it was released, it was the most potent beer on the market with 17.5% alcohol. With all the maple syrup used in the brewing process, Sam's Triple Bock would make great topping for pancakes. One heavenly 12-ounce serving of this decadent brew is a whopping 340 calories. I would drink that. I'm not going to lie. So I've had the, put it on pancakes. I've had the Sam Adams Utopia. Which yeah we were you it was a uh, New Year's Eve yeah and we and it was Not that just, was it was like a few years no this was uh it was 2015 um and uh, I remember because my sister was pregnant and that's mm-hmm. why she couldn't go it was like twenty something percent alcohol by volume and it tasted more like a brandy than a beer but it, just because okay. it was um just because it was um brewed rather than distilled I guess yeah. it was it was technically considered a beer but it definitely tasted more like a brandy it was really interesting. But it was anyway, they, they had a random tasting for New Year's Eve that we got to go to. All right, Mike, what's your category? Uh, let's see. I'm shy to uh, I'm going to stick with uh, stick with beer 101. And, so, and just as a side note, since we were just discussing uh, Sam Adams, I decided to pop open a Sam Adams. It's it's good old reliable. Uh, we'll see if it uh, reverses my luck a little bit here. You doing the Boston Lager? The good, yep, the good old fashioned. Uh, I don't know if it's the original. I don't know if it's the OG. I don't know enough about the history of Sam Adams, but it's kind of their uh, their flagship beer now, certainly. All right. Beer 101. Question. How many Budweiser Clydesdales are hitched to the company's beer wagon? <laughs> All right. And it's 
I was gonna say, do I at least get choices? <laughs> <laughs> Is it A six, B seven, C eight, or D ten? All right, three of the four of these are even numbers. That was the one thing I was trying to remember is whether or not there was like a lead horse. But I'm pretty sure they're all just side by side. So I'll eliminate seven. I want to say it's four on each side. So I'm going to say eight. All right, Mike is going with C8. And the answer is C8. (laughs) (laughs) Eight magnificent horses make up the famous Budweiser Clydesdale Hitches. To become a member of a hitch, a Clydesdale must be gilding, i.e. castrated male, that is at least four years old, six feet tall, and the shoulder between 1,800 and 2,300 pounds, and bay in color with a black mane and tall four white stocking legs, and a white blaze on its face. The Budweiser Clydesdales have represented the company since 1933 when Prohibition was repealed. Giddy up. Ugh. Imagine, I don't even know what I said. I just like, imagine being a horse. They're like, we're going to take your balls, but it's okay because it means you get to be with, you get to be a horse for Budweiser. Budweiser. Budweiser Like the horse has got to be like, can I at least be a Santa, Sam Adams horse or something? I'm sorry. Oh Lord. All right, Chris, what's your category? Uh, Let's do beerology. Question, a mass ton, a mash ton is a, A, unit of measurement used to, used during the brewing process, B, large barrel of beer, C, process of fermentation, or D, vessel used in brewing, in the brewing process. Okay, uh, again, I'm going to do the same thing I did last time, just read them off one by one. I'm going to, le- you can skip A, because I have that on there as a potential one. What is B? Okay. Large barrel of beer. Yeah, that sounds too basic, so no, I'm not going to cross that one off. C? Process of fermentation. I feel like if that was the case, I would have heard of that. I've been to enough brewery tours to understand the process of fermentation, so I'm going to cross that one off. And what was D? A vessel used in the brewing process. A vessel? A vessel used in the brewing process. So is like that... Oh, Lord. I don't know enough about the brewing process to understand. Uh, Only thing I can go with is which one sounds right, and the simple answer is usually the right answer. So I'm going to say A, a unit of measurement. Chris is going with A, a unit of measurement used during the brewing process. All right, and the correct answer is D, vessel used in the brewing process. Ah. A mash ton, pronounced ton, is a special insulated container in which a brewer mixes ground grains with water. The resulting product is called the mash. The mash ton is designed to hold the mash at a constant or increasing temperature for an hour or more while the enzymes turned into sugars. Many home brewers make their mash turns make their make their mash turns out ordinary plastic beer coolers, buckets, or kegs. Yes, uh, spelling spelling was important there. I should have asked. I I should have asked for the spelling on ton, shouldn't I? Yep. Bowie. Uh. (sighs) All right. Oh gosh, I'm feeling so much pressure because now I have a chance to catch back up. Three to four still, so still anybody's game. It's basically first to twelve, but they have to get certain color combinations here. 
All right. So the one I don't have is pub crawl, so I'm going with pub crawl. All right, Mike is going with green pub crawl. If you're in the mood for a smooth, caramely dark beer, your best beer style would be A, Nonic, B, Whitbeer, C, Dormunder, or D, Dunkel. Goodness. What was it? What was the, the it was smooth, caramely, and dark? Smooth, caramely, dark beer. Mm-hmm. Nonic, Whitbeer, Dortmunder, and Dunkel. It's definitely not a Whitbeer. Um, uh, I don't think of, I mean, a Dunkel's definitely dark. I don't know if I necessarily think of it as caramely, though. And I've never heard, I, I'll, full disclosure, I've never heard of Nonic. I've at least heard of Dortmunder, but I'm trying to, you know, I'm a, I'm just, I'm just ignorant American, you know, I just, I, 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 I don't, I, I don't have that, that wider variety of, of beers. Cause a lot of these seem like, uh, German, German style beers or that area of the, of the world. Um, I at least know that a Dunkel is a dark beer, which is more than I know about. And I know that I, I definitely know it's not wit beer. And of the others, I at least know that Dunkel is a dark beer, which is more than I know about the other two. So I will say Dunkel. All right, Mike is going with Dunkel. And the answer is D, Dunkel. Dunkel yep. is dark in German. Is a German style of beer made from barley, creating a smooth reddish brown beer with a soft caramel, nutty, nutty and coffee flavors. Wit beer, on the other hand, is a light citrusy Belgian beer. Dormunder is a somewhat darker, slightly sweet style of a pilsner named after the German city of Dortmund. And a nonic is a style of pint glass pint glass with a bulge <laughs> near the top. So it's not even a beer. <laughs> that explains why I've never heard of it, at least. That makes me feel a little better. Okay. <laughs> All right. And so now we are tied four and four. Chris, what's your category? Are we four and four with one in each for each one of us, for both of us? Yeah, one of each uh, color. Let's go back to pub crawl. I had fun with that one. So did I. It just oh. got me to a tie. You guys are funny. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're so silly. Okay. Question. If you order bitter in a British pub, you'll most likely get A, beer tapped directly from the cask, B, a porter, C, the first pour from a new keg, or D, bottled beer with lemon. Okay, I'm going to do this again. I'm sorry, Nikki. A was... Beer uh, Brian, tap Mike, direct- Mike, just keep your head out of your hands. I'm sorry. This is, this is my process. <laughs> no, I no, you're good. You're good, bro. <laughs> All right. So it's uh, beer tap directly from the cask. I can't go with that one because that just sounds. Oh, uh, direct from the cask actually could be okay. So let, yeah, I'll I'll leave that one in. What's B? A porter. Yeah, it's not a porter. I don't think. C. The first pour from a new keg. That seems just like. You'd have to catch them at the right time. So you like, I'm not going to go into a pub and ask for that, and they're going to be like, "Oh, I just tapped this keg. Let me give it to you." So I'm going to eliminate that. A bottle beer with lemon. Again, that seems way too on the nose. Who the hell drinks that? Um, I said last time that the logical answer was the right answer, and I've been wrong on two fifty-fifty questions in a row. Because last time I was able to eliminate down to two. I'm going to go against my better logic. I'm going to lock in with. A, a beer tap directly from the, uh, what's that word? Cask. Cask, yep, yeah, that's it. 
All right. And the correct answer is A, beer tapped directly from the cask. Traditional British beer is served in pubs directly from the cask, whether it's behind the bar or in the cellar of the pub. The key to bitter is cask conditioning, in which the beer continues to evolve as it rests in the cask with the yeast. No filtering here. It tends to be barely carbonated and best drunk at cellar temperatures. Most British pubs serve at least one bitter and sometimes several. All right. Mike, what's your category? I'm going buzzwords. Question. The term bung, when used as a noun, refers to A, a skunky beer, B, a chipped beer mug, C, a bartender in Australia, D, the stopper in a barrel. Hmm. Damn it. I couldn't get this one. No. Okay, Chris knows it. Um, I don't. I... Let me see. I'm pretty sure it's not a bartender in Australia. Um, what was it? what were B and D again? Uh, a was a skunky beer. B is a chipped beer mug. Chipped beer mug. C a bartender in Australia. D the stopper in a barrel. I dang it. A and D both sound okay, but I'm gonna go with. D, the stopper in a barrel. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah, that from yeah. drinking bourbon. Professional here. I okay, I will just say that uh, this is terrible. I just went, I literally was like, well, Beavis and Butthead talked a lot about a bung hole. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm literally like, okay, so it seems like, okay, maybe you'd put a bung in a, a hole. Bung. I am so mad right now. <laughs> Literally, that's how I got there. Or not got there, but that's how I made my guess. Oh, yes. The correct answer is D, the stopper in a barrel. A bung is the stopper or plug used to cap the hole in a barrel or cask where the barrel is emptied and filled. The hole is called the bung hole. Traditionally, (laughs) traditionally, beer bungs are made of wood. So you weren't far off. I didn't want to share that logic while I was making my guess because I was so embarrassed by it. But once I thought it, once it sounded like it was right, I was like, all right, I might as well just admit this. Come on. <laughs> oh, moving on. We're cooking with gas, Chris. <laughs> all right, Chris, what's your category? Uh, let's stay in pub crawl. Let's try and close that one out. Question. If you want a rich chocolate tasting beer... You should order A, a Yoohoo, B, a Stout, <laughs> C, a Bach, or D, a Trapeze, a Trappist Ale. Trapeze, trapeze Ale. <laughs> trapeze. A Trappist Ale. So, yeah, Yoohoo, Stout, Bach, or a Trappist Ale. The Flying Graysons, the Trapeze Ale. <laughs> okay, so Stout or Bach. Uh, I've had more chocolate beers that are stout so i'm gonna go with stout and the correct answer is b stout the reason stout has the wonderful chocolate taste with a touch of coffee flavor is all in the barley which means it has more highly roasted than usual in order to make what brewer calls chocolate malt guinness is a dark chocolatey stout good to drink with charbroiled meat bach beer's flavors are almost toffee-ish where trappist ales range from spicy and fruity to bitter and tart all right, and Chris has all three in his pub crawl category. All right. Well done, Christopher. 
I am going to meander over to beerology. The word zimmergy. Oh, come on! <laughs> come on! You know, actually, actually, that's a good thing, though, because I really wouldn't want to leave our listeners hanging with what that means. So I agree. Good. This is All a right. good thing. <laughs> Oh, man. You can't script this shit. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> All right. The word zimmergy refers to the A, formation of the head of the beer. B, effects of alcohol on the brain. C, buildup of gases in the body that cause a person to belch. And D, study of fermentation. I don't think it would be the study of fermentation. Well, but it is that G thing. But I feel like that would be like an ology or something like that. Um, let's see. I don't think it's the effect. What, effect of alcohol in the brain was B, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then C was... Buildup of gases build up in the ga- body I, I that make a person that. belch. And what was A? Formation of the head of the beer. Formation of the head of the beer. And then D was study of fermentation. Okay. So... I'm going to, for whatever reason, the head of the beer thing sounds like when, when you said it, it was like, there's something about it just sounded like, okay, that, that seems oddly specific. And this is an oddly specific word for, for a thing. So it just stuck out in my head as, as something. So it was my first instinct and I'll stick with it. I will say a, all right, Mike is going with a formation of the head of the beer. And the answer is D, study of fermentation. Damn it, it was. Okay. Although Zimmergy originally referred to the actual science of fermentation, it is now also used to describe the brewing of beer. A person who brews beer or produces fermentation is called a Zimmergist. Louis Pasteur, best known for discovering the process that prevents milk, wine, and beer from making people sick, unknowingly became the first Zimmergist in 1857 when he recorded the relationship between yeast and fermentation. Later, German chemist Edward Buschner figured out that fermentation is called by the yeast release of an enzyme he named Zemice. Okay. Did not know that. Interesting. Well, at least we solved that mystery from you. Like, can you, like, is it like a college major now? Like, Probably, yeah. <laughs> I majored in synergy. Yeah. Is that what Nat did? I mean. <laughs> possible. Right. All right. So, Chris. <sighs> So you can pick from the um, Beer 101, Buzzwords, or Beerology, no more pub crawl. I think he can just keep picking pub crawl as far as I'm concerned. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. Oh, I thought you... Oh, haha. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't help him, but... Uh, fully admitting here that, like, um, this third pour of Redemption, this bourbon goes down so smooth it's not even funny. Uh, this is my third <laughs> pour, and it's almost gone, so I'm feeling it right now. Uh, I, you know what? Uh, this is not the, this is not the time to be making harsh decisions in your life. By the way, so I'm gonna stick with beer 101 and try and get back on a uh, a good note with that category. <laughs> All right, the brew theme movie Beer Fest was produced by which comedy group? A. Super Troopers. B. Broken Lizard. C, the Farley Brothers. D, Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker. That is the Broken Lizard comedy troupe. They are the ones behind Super Troopers and the underrated, criminally underrated 
Broken Club Lizards Dread. Club Dread. Yep. <laughs> I knew exactly what Jordan you were going to say. I, I love agree. that movie. That's Me the one too. with Bill Paxton as a Jimmy Buffett ripoff. That movie is phenomenal. It's so funny. And it's got Cheryl Ladd's daughter as like one of the one of the like heroines in distress. It's she plays a, a character called uh, Penelope. 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 Yep. Penelope. Penelope. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so the answer is B. Broken Lizard. Broken Lizard is a filmmaking comedy ensemble of five former classmates who perform sketches together at Colgate University. The group is best known for its Fox Searchlight movies of Club Dread and Super Troopers. Beer Fest was released in 2006 to mixed reviews, but it has grossed more than 20 million worldwide. On the group's website, you can buy a two-liter German hand-blown Broken Lizard beer boot glass, aptly named Das Boot. Shipping and handling included. No, that's the one. <laughs> beer Fest is the one you got. You got to rotate the. You got to rotate the glass at the end when it gets to the boot. You got to rotate the glass to stop the air from getting. I love. Uh, Jay, I can't think of his last name. I can't pronounce. I can't think of it. Chandra Chandra Sankar, isn't that right? He's actually a director now. He does really, yeah. really good work. Well, he direct he directed most of the Broken Lizard stuff. He yeah. did, but he actually does other stuff now. He's, he's I think he's into TV, mm-hmm. and he's actually really solid. Oh yeah. But no, I love. I'm a big fan of Broken Lizard. I love that question. I love getting one more point up on Mike. And of course, you get the movie question. I mean, like, my god! I did. I, I've seen that movie, right? Didn't we watch it together? Which one? Beer Fest. Beer Fest. Mm-mm. I don't think so. If you haven't seen Super Troopers, you need to see Super Troopers. Which uh, category? Oh uh, man, um, I'll do. I'll do Beer One Hundred and One. To be classified as a microbrewery. What is the maximum number of barrels a beer company can produce per year? Is it A, 4,999, B, 9,999, C, 14,999, or D, 19,999. Oh, man. It was 4,000, basically one less than 5,000, one less than 10,000, one less than 20,000, one less than 20,000. Yeah. It's, I'm pretty sure it's either 10, one less than 10,000, one less than 20,000. Um, I am going to say it's one less than 10,000, so I'm going to say B, 9,999. And the correct answer is C, 14,999. Damn. Some microbreweries produce fewer than 100 barrels per year. But a brewing company is still considered to be micro as long as it produces fewer than 15,000. Amazingly, a megabrewery like Anheuser-Busch produces more than 100 million mm-hmm. barrels per year. Reportedly, as of this writing, there are around 1,600 microbreweries, including brew pubs, which are basically restaurants that brew their own beer, that produce a variety of delicious and some not-so-delicious craft beers <laughs> operating in the U.S. Yeah, I'm sure this is that list. That, that, number, that, has that number has increased dramatically, dramatically for sure. Like I said, this is 2011. So, damn, damn that, and that was what I was thinking of earlier with the craft beer question. It was actually was what con- microbrewery is uh, defined based on uh, the number of barrels you do. That's what I was thinking. Of. I really thought it was one followed by zeros, but whatever. Chris, what's your category? Is this happening? I'm losing to Chris in a beer trivia game. What the hell? <laughs> I'm going to stick in Beer 101. I'm going to try and close it out. Beer 101 question. True or false? ABV stands for alcohol by variance. 
No, it's alcohol by volume, right? By variance doesn't make any sense. I'm going to say false. And the correct answer is false. ABV stands for alcohol by volume. It's the amount of alcohol in beer with regard to the percentage volume of alcohol per volume of beer. Get your heads around that one, beer fans. Although ABV is becoming a standard measurement in the U.S., many brewers measure the alcohol by weight, ABW, instead. If you come across a beer label with its ABW, simply multiply the number by 1.25 to find out its ABV. The label on my beer, this is Sam Adams, in lieu of ABV, literally says alcohol slash volume. Alk slash volume. So it's clearly alcohol by volume, like. I don't know if there's a Greek god of beer, but so I'm going to say that the Greek god of wine, Bacchus, is totally against me right now. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> All right. What's your category? I might actually even be wrong that Bacchus is the god of wine. But I know no, he I drank think it's, a lot. No, it's... Um, he just drank a lot. He was the god of like... No, it was... Di- no, um, the partier one. Uh, Dionysus. Di- was it? Yeah. Something like that. Well, Bacchus is definitely a party. The one that starts with D. Di- yeah. Not... Yeah. Anyway. No, I don't know. I'm screwing up. I'm, I'm not s- very good with my Greek mythology. I'm, yeah, anyway. I'm screwing up my mythology just as bad as I'm apparently screwing up my beer. Uh, let's go pub crawl. In terms of alcohol content, which is the strongest beer in the world? A. Dogfish Head Worldwide Stout. B. Pete's Wicked Ale. C. Samuel Adams Utopia MM3. Or D. Bush de Noel. <sighs> I actually brought up Sam Adams' Utopia earlier, not thinking that it was going to come up in a question. Uh, as I said, when I brought it up, it was about it's about 20-something percent uh, alcohol by volume, which I'm pretty sure I actually said alcohol by volume at that time, and then Chris got that question. Uh, <laughs> so I am just going to stick with that, and that's going to be my, that's going to be my answer. So you're going with Sam Adams' Sam Utopia. Adams. I think it was C, right? Okay, yeah. And the answer is C, Samuel Adams Utopia, which we this is the one we drank. That's yeah. the one we drank, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So brewed in limited edition as at $100 per bottle. Which Whoa. Also we didn't pay that much. We didn't much. pay that, just <laughs> so you know. Which also makes it one of the most expensive beers in the world. Samuel Adams Utopia comes in at a whopping 25% alcohol. Whoa. The others are far behind. The Dogfish Head is probably the strongest dark beer at 18%. Bush de Noel is a nutty, flowery Christmas beer from Belgium with a quite high alcohol volume of 12%, Pete's is only 5.3%. To put that as a point of reference, the Redemption High Rye Bourbon that I'm drinking right now, 52.5%. So, best bang nah. for your buck? Actually in bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> All right, Chris. Okay, so I've closed out two. I have got Beerology and Buzzwords left, right? Correct. I'm enjoying a lead while I have it. Um, let's go beerology. Why not? Question. Hefe is a German word meaning A, hops, B, yeast, C, malt, or D, fruit. I'm going to be that guy. I'm sorry. We've had this question on the show before. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to ask for a different question just to be fair. Uh, okay. We had that on the uh, the Beard Owl but, podcast episode. That's oh, that's right. I th- I knew that we'd had that before, but just to, just to remind our listeners, the answer is yeast. Yes, yes, right. All right. 
I want to. I want to be honest. Like that. That's not a fair no, question. No, no, and no, I want to no, beat good. Mike fair and square. If I lose ah, to Mike, ah, I'm okay ah. with that. But I want to make sure we're down the straight and narrow here. Okay. A scientific study in 2009 discovered that beer might help prevent a osteoporosis, b glaucoma, c heart disease, or d prostate cancer. So this is actually an interesting question because I, I've I actually think I've heard this before, um, and I think I remember it something that that affects men more often than than women, and which is weird because men I think, and I'm not trying to be sexist here, but I think we probably drink more beer than women do, if for nothing else, then we don't care about our bodies. Uh, I don't think it's glaucoma. What was the first one you said? Um, osteoporosis. I don't think it's osteoporosis either. Uh, I'm going to C and D. Uh, prostate cancer was D. What was B? Glaucoma. And C was heart disease. Heart disease. D was okay. prostate cancer. Heart disease. So here's what bothers me is I know prostate cancer is the most common cancer in men, but heart disease sounds right. So do I want to go with what sounds right, or do I want to go with what my misshapen three glasses of Redemption Bourbon in logic is telling me? I feel like I've heard heart disease before, so I'm going to go with heart disease. I've heard that okay. before. I, I could swear I have. And if I'm wrong, I'll take it. It's fine. <laughs> All right. And the correct answer is A, osteoporosis. <laughs> All I knew is it wasn't glaucoma because I have glaucoma. I have early onset glaucoma. I just, I just so. gonna, well, like, I just gonna imagine that beer would help heart uh, help heart disease. Actually, I on to be Maybe. in total honesty, my guess would have also been heart disease. That's I, I for mean, some I've reason that, that sounded. I've heard that with wine. Maybe maybe like, it's wine. Wine is good for your heart. That's yeah. what it is. Red a, a glass of red wine red, a day will decrease wine, your yeah. Built, your yeah propensity for heart disease. Okay. So A. Osteoporosis, in 2009 study, researchers at the University of California, Davis, found that beer is a rich source of dietary silicon, an important mineral for increasing bone density. The scientists tested 100 commercial beers for silicon content and concluded beers containing high levels of malted barley and hops are richest in silicon. Their findings suggest that moderate beer consumption may help prevent osteoporosis. So drink up, sports fans. <laughs> cool. I'm going to do beer 101. All right. So which country has the highest consumption of beer per capita? Is it A, the Czech Republic, B, China, C, United States, or D, Ireland? It's either the Czech Republic or Ireland. There's just too damn many people in the United States and China. Um, uh, yeah, def it's definitely not China. And I, th I think the United States has too many large pockets that don't that aren't heavy drinkers. Um between Ireland and the Czech Republic. I actually think those are both really strong answers. Um, my immediate gut would be, would almost tell, lean me towards Ireland. But when I think about it, it's like, like the Czech Republic seems like more of a random inclusion in that list. So is that pointing me in that direction? I just, per capita, I feel like there's, you want to go with like the fewest people with like a large amounts of consumption. It's not, the Czech Republic isn't, isn't, Huge either. Uh, I'm gonna say Ireland, but I don't. I won't be surprised if it's the Czech Republic. 
Yeah, the answer is A, the Czech Republic. The Czechs win this one hands down with a whopping 167 liters per capita. The Irish come in second at 125 liters per person per year. The U.S. is 12th at 84.4. But watch out for China. Despite consuming only 40 40 liters per capita, beer drinking is growing at a rate of about 25% a year. With 1.2 billion people, that's soon going going to amount to a lot of brew. All right, United States, look. China's on the verge of overtaking us in a lot of things, but I will be damned if they overtake us in beer consumption per capita. Let's get on the ball, people. All right, Chris. Do I need one more in buzzwords or one more beerology? I think it's buzzwords, you right? Need, you need two you more, need two more in both. buzzwords and beerology. Daggum, I thought it was further ahead. Um, Let's go buzzwords. Why not? Because I'm feeling a little bit buzzed right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Buzzwords. Question. What is a publican? A, a beer can a beer cannery. A, the owner of a manager of a pub. C, a public toilet in a bar or pub. Or D, a special beer tax collected in some European countries. It's called a publican? A publican, yep. So I would say that a separate beer tax on something that is close to Republican would almost be poetic justice like that's kind of funny uh all right let's you know what i this game has served me decently so far so let's read them one by one let me try and eliminate them i'm sorry nikki i know this is a pain in the no, butt. Sorry. all right uh a a beer cannery that sounds too on the nose i'm going to eliminate that b the owner or manager of a pub again that sounds too on the nose i'm going to eliminate that See a public toilet in a bar or pub. A public can. <laughs> yep. That's two on the nose. I'm going to eliminate that. So I'm going to go with D. All right. So you're going to go with D, a special beer tax collected in some European That's countries. That's what I'm saying. Yes. All right. For the record, I'm, I would have guessed B. You would have guessed B? Yeah. Owner of a pub. The correct answer is B, the owner and manager of a pub. <laughs> In Ireland and Great Britain, Great Britain, the owner or manager of a pub is called the publican. People who visit their neighborhood pub frequently get to know the publicans pretty well. A successful publican remembers his or her customers' favorite drinks and is always willing to listen to their problems, just, just like a successful bartender in the U.S. The term publican means tax collector during the Roman Empire, so if you choose D, you can decide whether you should get half a point. Ah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so it did, it actually did have a relationship to, to taxes. Okay. <laughs> All right. I am going to go pub crawl and try and close at least one of these puppies out. All right. True or false? Trappist ale and Abbey ale are the same. Ooh. Flippity floppity. Um, so when we did the true or false during the pregame and it was, it was kind of like the square rectangle thing where it's like all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. And it was the same thing. It was like, uh, all skunked beers are spoiled, but not all spoiled beers are skunked. I'm going to say it is the same thing here. I don't know which direction it's going, but I'm going to say false. All right. And the correct answer is false. Damn it. Both Trappists and Abbeys are strong, fruity, earthy beers that go well with lamb or wild game. What distinguishes Trappist ales is that they are brewed within the walls of one of seven Trappist monastic breweries, oh. six in Belgium, one of the Netherlands. 
By law, no other breweries are allowed to labor their beers as Trappist. Authentic Trappist products are made or under the supervision of Trappist monks, and they cannot be sold for profit. Any financial gains must be used for Mm. charitable purposes. Now that you say that, I remember that because there was, yeah, there was some kind of beer and I debated, I was, this is like 2012 or something like that, but there was some kind of like Trappist brew that was only released like once every X number of years and you could get yourself a case, but you had to dump some serious coin. And I, I remember debating, I was like, at that time, I was just like, eh, should I just do this? But I, I decided against it. So, uh, yeah. And, and ended up buying, you know buying a house instead so (laughs) i mean it was like seriously expensive like okay there was like a hundred total cases that you could get it was was, yeah so but i remember that about the trappist but anyway pub crawl is done all right yeah mike has one category finished right chris you want buzzwords or beerology uh you know what i got screwed on buzzwords already i'm gonna go right back though because i am a glutton for punishment buzzwords Question. The term beer and Skittles means A, like two peas in a pod, B, pleasure or amusement, C, a mistake making in the brewing process, or D, a midnight stack. Okay, so I have drank, not going to give numbers here, but I have drank in my life a lot of beer. And I have never once in my life said, you know what tastes good right now? Frickin' Skittles. (laughs) Ha ha! Not even drinking sours. It's got to be C, right? It's got to be a mistake. Yeah, I'm, I'm locking that in. I'm not even going to give it too much thought. I am locking in a mistake. All right, so you're going with C, a mistake made in the brewing process. And the correct answer is B, pleasure or amusement. Wow, I would have said the same thing, Chris. I thought you were dead on with your logic. The term beer and Skittles is a British idiom that refers to a pleasure or amusement, as in life isn't all beer and Skittles. Skittles is an is a pub game similar to bowling that has been played in England. People, <laughs> <laughs> freaking time. British people, man! Come For on, sake. come on! I know, yeah, right? Not Skittles the candy. I'm sitting here trying to taste a damn Skittles rainbow, Skittles. and y'all making up definitions and stuff, and this is not fair. <laughs> <laughs> to play, nine Skittle pins are set up in a square pattern, and players attempt to knock them down with a ball. A pox on it, knave! Let us play <laughs> at nine pins. Uh, if you've never read. The big Lebowski, or the knave of Lebowski, or fellow of Lebowski, whatever the heck it's called. It's it's the, the big Lebowski, but retranslated as Shakespeare. It is absolutely brilliant. Instead of fucking dude, let's go bowling, it's a pox on it, knave. Let us play at nine pins. <laughs> the whole thing is great. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I'm going to stick with buzzwords because that's my opportunity to close it out. And uh, then both me and Chris will have two categories closed out. All right. Buzzwords. Question. In terms of beer, the acronym IBU stands for A, International Beer University, B, Infused Barley Units, C, International Beer Unit, or D, International Bitterness Unit. That would be D. Stop dancing. The answer is D, International Bitterness Unit, and he's dancing. I am dancing. I'm sorry. How in the world did you get a woman dancing like that? (laughs) I don't dance much better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. um, I don't know. I think. Well, I think beer. The the subject of this game probably. Usually we're dancing under beer goggles. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's right. 
right. I, I think I think I think she I think she'd actually maybe fallen for me before <laughs> she actually she saw me dance. I don't know. <laughs> I don't dance any better, so <laughs> we're good. We're actually pretty funny on the dance floor, so we we dance, we dance great in the sense that you know we don't care. <laughs> All right, International Bitterness Unit. So the IBU scale provides a measure for the bitterness of a beer, which cre- is created by hops. The higher the IBU, the hoppier the beer. It's important to know that IBU is not an indication of perceived bitterness, but rather the actual concentration of certain acids secreted from the hops. Therefore, IBU measurements help brewers keep their beers consistent. An American lager can be as low as 8 on the IBU scale, where a certain India Pale Ales or Imperial Stouts may be higher than 100. All right, and you've closed out your category. Whoop, whoop. So, so what's we the, uh, the are score dead right now? even. We're tied again. So, Chris, you need two beerologies and two buzzwords. Mike, you need two beerologies and two beer 101s. Let's go Oh, I hate science, but I'm going to go beerology. Why not? Science? All right. Beerology question. What is the expected shelf life of a bottled or canned beer that has been pasteurized? A, 90 days. B, 120 days. C, six to nine months. Or D, one year. I'll have to go buzzwords, please. Did I not make that clear? I I could swear I said buzzwords. Oh, God. Okay, so the last two are six, nine months or one year. I worked retail for a a little while, and I'm trying to remember what what the... So when you work retail, there's stamps on all your food, and some of them have have sell-by dates, and then some some of them have codes. And we used to have a little book... We'd have to pull out to read the code that was on the book so we could interpret what the label said. And I'm trying to remember, like, how if beer was further out than, like, butter. It's obviously further out than milk. And the only thing we sold at CVS or Eckerd at that Eckerd, I'm not even, yeah, Eckerd was where I worked. I think the only thing we served that told that that was like there's this is before the craft beer phrase phase not even phase like it's been around for a while i've been drinking so forgive me um <laughs> the only thing that was around at that point in time were like the bud lights and like the miller lights and i feel like they went out longer and mike just seeing the answer is not helping me i'm gonna <laughs> say one year i'm gonna go with i think it's d is that right nikki uh, you're going with D one year? Yeah. Oh, hold on. Okay. What was the one before that? Uh, it was six to nine months. Hold on. Hold on. It was 90 days, 120 days, six to nine months, or one year. So using Mike logic here, three of those four are set are set periods. But I would imagine, depending on the contents of the beer, it might actually have a different expiration date. No. Uh, one year, I'm locking it in, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But if there's three out of the four that say it's one set date and one of the four says it's not, I'm going with the three out of the four as my likely answer. Um, and those three all give definitive date ranges. One gives a... Not ranges. Definitive dates. One gives a range. I'm going to eliminate the range, and I'm going to say it's one year. All right, you're going with one year. And the answer is B, 120 days. 
<laughs> Pasteurization, a procedure that kills bacteria and stops the growth of any yeast that is present, can increase a beer's shelf life to 120 days. Most non-pasteurized beers have a shelf life of only 60 days. The pasteurizing process usually involves spraying the already bottled or canned beer with hot 140 degrees Fahrenheit water for two to three minutes. Mike, would you have gotten that? No, I was actually, I would actually have gone six to nine months, actually. So. All right. Uh, beer 101, please. Beer it's, not, it's not treating me well, but. All right. Which one of these is not a fictional beer from a television show? Oh, okay. A, Shots. B, Buzz, C, Duff, or D, Blatz? I can eliminate Buzz and Duff because that's uh, Buzz Beer, I think, was Drew Carey's show. Duff Beer, of course, is The Simpsons. Shots is the first one. Is that with a Z? With a Z. S-H-O-T-Z. S-H-O-T-Z. And Blatz is B-L-A-T-Z. Neither of those sound familiar, um, but... This is going to be a weird statement, but I feel like Blatz sounds less unfamiliar or more unfamiliar. Yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that I'm leaning towards Blatz is what I'm trying to say, but I, I cannot place either of those. I will say I'll, I'll say I'll say Blatz because I, I don't have a way to logic there and it's a 50 50. All right. And the answer is D Blatz. Woo! <laughs> Blatz was a beer that made the Milwaukee famous in the 1850s. It's the real-life counterpoint of Schott's beer as portrayed on the sitcom Laverne and Shirley, 1976-1986. Duff is what Homer Simpson both sits on and drinks. Um, the Simpsons debuted in 1989. While Buzz, the fictional beer that contains caffeine as well as alcohol, was homebrewed by Drew Carey's character on The Drew mm -hmm. Carey Show, 1995-2004. What was Buzz's official motto? Stay up all night and drink. <laughs> yep. All right. All right. One more for Mike. Is that my first lead of the night? That is my first lead of the night. first lead of the night. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. That, oh, that look you just shot me. Oh, <laughs> and now it's the puppy dog eyes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and now it's the Gene Simmons tongue. Uh, okay. Give that man a category quickly. All right. Beerology. Hops adds which characteristic to beer? A, bitterness, B, sweetness, C, golden color, or D, foaminess? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's go through this one more time. So hops, the hoppier the beer, the IPH are the hoppy beers. Yeah, let's go through this one more time. I'm trying to think of what I associate hoppy with. All right, bitterness sweetness golden color or foaminess okay it's not sweetness no it's got to be bitterness it's got to be a all right so you're going with a bitterness yep. the other three just don't quite add up to what i think of an ipa other than the color oh god colors kind of throwing me but no the hoppy beers are the ones that are yeah i think they're more bitter i'm going with bitterness I'm not I'm not an IPA guy though, so this is the way wrong question for me. <laughs> but the answer is A, bitterness. Without hops, that mug of beer would be sweet and almost flabby. Hops provides a backbone for the beer in similar way that tannins do in red wine. Hops balance the sweetness and offer flavors, giving a beer a clean quality. 
Also similar to wine, there are dozens of varietals of hops that brewers can choose from, with lyrical names such as Cascade, Golding, Chinook, and more. American hops are often thought as more critic and piney than European ones. All right, and we are tied again. So, Mike. We are indeed, aren't we? Either Beer 101 or Beerology. All right. Well, I am torn. All right, I'm I'm nervous because I'm afraid the pattern with Beerology is going to be a comparatively uh, easy question with a hard question. Uh, But I'm going to go with Beerology. Which spices are used to brew Belgian wheat beer? A, oregano and marjoram. Uh, B, lemon and mint. C, orange peel and coriander. And D, black pepper and dried apple. That's got to be orange peel and coriander, so I'm going to say C. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, it's C, orange peel and coriander. I mean, like a blue moon. Yeah, exa- exactly. Damn it. Right, so Belgian, Belgian wheat beer or whip beer is a light-bodied beer with refreshing acidity, Brewers typically add orange peel and coriander to it, as well as some secret spices of their own choosing. The beer is not filtered, so it's usually cloudy and pale in color. Try it next to German wheat beer or rice beer, which often has clove and banana aromas. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike. Back up one. Back up one. All right, Chris, what do you want? Buzzwords or beerology? What am I, one short on Beerology or two? One short on Beerology and two short on Buzz. Let's go Beerology. All right, you got a true or false here. Beer and whiskey are both made in a process using grain, yeast, and water. Yep. Grain, yeast, and water. Uh, true. Uh, hold on, hold on. This is the I've got bourbon brain going on right now. Hold on. I think you have rye brain going on. Right no, it's a bourbon. It's just a high rye bourbon, so it's probably oh, 35 30, 35% rye. But gotcha. bourbon has to be 51% corn. Um, Grain, yeast, and water. Yeast is what's throwing me off. Um, so a lot of whiskeys in, use yeast because there's a lot of weeded stuff. Like a Weller, Special Reserve Weller. Most Weller products are weighted. I'm going to say true. All right, so you're going with true. And the correct answer is true. Beer and whiskey are close cousins, which is one reason they work so well together in Boilmaker Cocktail. Both are made in a fermenting process that employs grain, yeast, and water. The difference is that beer is also made with hops, whereas whiskey is further distilled into a clear, potent liquid. In fact, when you make scotch whiskey, the original fermentation stage is called the beer. Huh. That's kind of interesting. That's I was cool. going to say, I think I remember when I was going to one of the one of the bourbon tours that they would they would say that typically, like, if you stop this process here, it would be beer. But you keep going and it becomes deliciousness. Ha. I actually do. That, that does ring a bell now that you say that. I am going to attempt to close out Beer 101. All right, Beer 101. Question. How much is a can of Billy Beer currently worth? A, less than a dollar. <laughs> B, $5. C, $50. D, $100. Um, so my knowledge of Billy Beer, uh, to bring it back to, I think the previous question that, that I got in Beer 101 uh, it comes from The Simpsons uh, when Homer gets really excited for finding a Billy beer, uh, which is apparently 
a thing. So I feel like it's something of a rarity, which makes me makes me think it's probably at least it's probably worth something. I, there's no, but I don't have any real way to to logic there, I have, and I have no knowledge outside of that. I'm going to spitball and say fifty dollars. All right, you're going with C, fifty dollars. <laughs> the correct correct answer is A, less, less than, than one dollar. Yeah. The hard-drinking Billy Carter, brother to Jimmy, certainly did not invent the position of embarrassing presidential family member, but he did perfect it. Billy agreed to lend his name to Billy Beer in 1977. The only problem was it tasted awful. So although 2 billion cans were reduced, sales were low. Despite an urban legend that these cans are rare, perpetrated in parts of Spart by scam artists, there are still plenty to be found on eBay. Am, All right. am I wrong? Isn't he the the one that got high with Willie Nelson on top of, on the roof of the White House? I believe so. that that sounds right. Probably okay. Chris, you really only have one choice. So buzzwords. <laughs> Let's go buzzwords. Buzzwords question: A labor philist is someone who a knows everything about beer. B Fears beer, C collects beer bottle labels, or D loves to brew beer. Hey Mike, are you a labor fluist? I think I'm about to find out. Mike collects every not everyone, but you you do collect the the beer labels, right? I do, I do I do collect beer labels. Yes. Okay, let's let's do the same thing. Let's go one through four. What's A again? A is knows everything about beer. No, that's too general of a term. B. Fears beer. So those that that's something that comes up on trivia a lot. Like what is X and Y and Z? The the phobias are they come up a lot in trivia, but they're usually labeled with phobia. I'm not gonna disqualify it, but I'm gonna seriously doubt that it's B. What is C? Collects beer bottle labels. Yeah, I'm gonna eliminate B. C is my front runner. What is D? Loves to brew beer. And what was the term again? Labor philist, L A B E O R P H I L I S T. Oh, C or D has got to be the right answer. A and B just don't sound right. Collects labels or loves to brew their own beer. Uh, can I call Jeff Woodhead and see what he has to say? <laughs> uh, you know what? Um, He's probably awake. <laughs> that's true. What's bothering me is that, like, if it was someone that brewed their own beer, I feel like I know that. But this also sounds like it's like a British term, so I don't know for sure. With that being said, uh, when I'm Christmas treeing an exam when I was in high school, I always chose C. So I'm going to go with C. It collects the beer labels. All right, so you're going with C, collects beer bottles and labels, and the answer is C, collects ah. beer bottles and labels. So, Mike, you were a I am a la- I am a laborophilist. Also known as a labologist, Labologist. is a person who collects beer bottle labels. Paper labels first appeared on beer bottles in the 1840s, and over the years they have turned up in shapes, colors, and designs. There are so many different types of labels and that some labor fillists choose to narrow their collections. For example, some collect only from market breweries. Some focus on depiction or I can't read depictions of animals and others limit their collection to labels with women. 
One particularly unique label was created by Rubble Sexy Logger. It features a woman in a bathing suit that can't be scratched off, revealing her new her nude body. Ah, that's so. awesome. It can be scratched off. Yep, that's it can great. Be scratched off too. All right, Chris uh, is uh, all right. One away from the promised land. All right. All right, see. Uh, here, Mike. Give me beer. Give me virology. All right. All right. Virology question. Beer cans weren't invented until 1933. It took so long because of a prohibition, b sour beer, c exploding beer, d consumer resistance. Hmm. Honestly, C is the one that stands out because it would be hard. Like I could see where it would be hard to like, like the the carbonation could, you know, potentially uh, have that effect. Uh, 1933 uh, stands out because with regards to A, because that was the year uh, December 5th, 1933, to be precise. Thank you, Utah, uh, that uh, prohibition was repealed. and that's the only that's my primary hesitation um but for some reason i got to believe that like i got to believe it was difficult to to contain the beer from some kind of exploding somehow so i am going to say see, you know i'm going to go like what like chris said when in doubt charlie out i'll say c c exploding beer and the answer is c exploding beer nicely done Hands- yeah, cans have been around since the 19th century, but carbonated beer needed packaging that could resist 80 pounds of pressure per square inch. In 1933, using a special lining, the Cougar Beer Company or the Cougar Beer Company of Newark, New Jersey, shipped 2,000 cans of special keg lined beer. That came equipped with instructions on making punch holes in the can with an opener. The cans are made of heavy tin or steel. Aluminum wasn't used for beer cans until Coors introduced it in 1959. Ah. Cool. Wow. All right. All right. We're, we both are one card away, one man. One card away. So do you guys each get a shot at this? Or I mean, it's, Chris, yeah. I would, Chris had first turn, so I pro- I would get one more. If he gets it, I get one more shot, and then I think it would be sudden death. Okay. Chris, you have buzzwords. So your question is, the word pub refers to a licensed establishment that serves beers and oftentimes other alcoholic beverages pub is short for a public house b public drinking c gastropub d public tavern okay so it's it's public house or public tavern to me gastropub would not make sense i think that's more of a, a modern term what was b again public drinking no that sounds like something mike mott did in college ah Okay, Touché. so public house or public tavern? Oh, this is not easy. I'm sorry. Uh, what bothers me is like four episodes of losing to Mike is weighing on this one question. <laughs> and I've lost enough to Mike. I'm telling you. So I'm getting, I'm not getting there. I'm making my decision based on the fact that tavern sounds like a decidedly American American uh, phrasing house strikes me as more European. So I'm going to go public house and hope I am not going to lose to Mike on this one question. (laughs) And the answer is a public house. Yes. (laughs) Originating in England, the local public house was, and often still is the center of the community. 
According to the Guinness Book of World Records, the oldest pub in England is Ye Old Fighting Cocks in St. Albans, Hedfordshire, which dates back to the 8th century. But some protest the pub's oldest record, claiming that it has been moved, Tom Dom, or has been moved, torn down, and rebuilt. Two other pubs in England that also claim to be the oldest are Ye Old Man and Splythe in Bolton, Lancashire, which dates back to 1251, and Ye Old Trip to Jerusalem in Nottingham, which was established in 1189. I'm sorry, the, the referees just threw a flag on the field. Uh, it's going to be 15 yards for excessive celebration. <laughs> Uh, we're going to have to kick an extra long extra point here. No. Um, all right. So it all comes down to this. So Mike has to get this one right. He has to get this one right. Sudden death. Yeah. To go into sudden death. Otherwise Chris has won the game. All right. So your category, Mike is is beer beer 101. 101. All right. And it is a true or false. Oh, this is going to come down to 50, 50. Should we do that? Should we, should we get a a non-true or false question? No, 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 no. It's perfectly fair. We've, we've played this way the entire game. All right. All right. Fair, fair, fair. Well, this will be interesting if you. I actually suck at the true or false question. That's why I'm okay with it. (laughs) Baseball's national league was once known as the beer and whiskey league. True or false? Oh God. I have never heard that. I've heard of it referred to as the senior circuit. Um, or is it the junior circuit? I always get those mixed up. Um, I have never heard of it referred to as the beer and whiskey league. That said, this seems like such a random thing to, to just bring up. Like, You know what? I honestly think... This is a weird way to logic to it, but my inkling is to say that the American League would have been more likely to be referred to as the Beer and Whiskey League, so I'm going to say false. All right, and the correct answer is false. In 1881, the National League outlawed beer sales, thus causing the rival American Association, also known as the Beer and Whiskey League, to spring up. Beer and baseball go together like apple pie and ice cream. Three stadiums, Miller Park, Coors Field, and Bush Stadium, are named after brewing companies. Basketball fans, you've got beer in your history, too. The New York Knicks are named after the Knickerbocker beer. All right. All right. So how do you want to do this? That's a great question. I don't know. You're, you're the host. I mean, should we, should we both get the same questions? We both lock in until we get it wrong or go back and forth? I mean, what do you think? I think sudden death is more fun. I would go back and forth, even though that doesn't bode well for me at all. I'm I'm cool with that. You want to let uh, Nikki choose the category, or we choose the category? Nikki's the host, so whatever Nikki says goes. All right. Well, let's go with pub crawl. All right. Chris first. Chris is first. All right. The difference between ale and lager is that that is that ale is a higher in alcohol, b lighter in alcohol, lighter in color. Excuse me. C, fruitier, or D, aged longer? I'm going to lose on an ale versus lager question. Are you kidding me? Lord. Okay, let's go. The problem is all four of those sound like plausible. All right, let's go through those one more time. Nikki, I'm sorry. I know you want to go to bed. Okay. Uh, Higher in alcohol is the first one. So is that insinuating that ale is higher in alcohol than lager? Uh, Yeah. 
is the difference is that ale is yeah, the ale a is, higher so, than alcohol. Yeah, okay. I would say that ale is higher in alcohol. No, I think lager is actually higher in alcohol, so I'm going to eliminate A. Right. B is lighter in color. Ale is lighter in color, so that's definitely a possibility. C is fruitier. Oh, God. Which one is fruitier? Um, I could see that because, like, I well, maybe not. It's like Bud, Budweiser isn't. Ale, and I know there's a Bud Light lime concoction that is like lime and flavored Bud, lime infused Bud Light, which I know for a fact is Sarah Bale's favorite drink of all time. <laughs> oh, that's a joke for literally two people, and one of them is on the yep. show. Um, which one is gonna have more fruit? It's a possibility. Okay, what's D? Aged longer. So I don't feel like any beer necessarily is aged that much longer that would cause a difference in the color. I feel like it's got to be a mash, uh, a, a difference in the mash bill. Okay, so I'm down the B and C, and that could be way off. Like, I could be overthinking this. I feel more comfortable with B. Lighter in, co- like lighter in color just seems... I know for a fact ales are generally lighter in color. Like, lagers are typically darker. They're like a darker orange. Fruitier, could that play into it? Because citrus is typically a lighter... Are there any citrus... Like, even citrus juices that I can think of are typically lighter in color. They're going to cause light compared to yeast. I'm actually going to go with C. Yeah, I'm going to go with C, the, the citrus one, because I think... If I'm adding citrus, like citrus is more more of like a clear juice. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going with C. Stop laughing at me, C. I'm done. <laughs> I just love your logic. <laughs> There's no logic um, to this. I'm talking bullshit out of both of my asses. So, <laughs> and the answer is C. Fruitier <laughs> ale and lager are the two major types of beer in the world. Thousands of years old ale is fermented at the high temperatures where the yeast rises to the top. Ales are fruity, tend to be full-bodied, and are generally aged for a week or two. Lagers are cold-fermented with a separate species of yeast that sinks to the bottom. Lagers are then aged for weeks or even months. All right. All right, Mike. Sitting near the bush. Which of these is not a Mexican beer? A. Tecate. B. Corona. C. San Miguel. Or D. Victoria. It's definitely C or D because Tecate and Corona are definitely and Victoria decidedly does not sound like a Mexican beer compared to San Miguel. So I will say D. All right. The answer is C. Oh, no. San Miguel. Oh, no. Apart from San Miguel, which is from the Philippines. Philippines. All oh, shit. I freaking knew that, too. Oh, my Rabo, God. Manalo, yes, I did. Mega Brewery, Mexico. You won't find Mexicans shoving lime wedges down their bottlenecks. That's a gringo. Oh, that's totally a gringo car. Oh, my oh, God. Posed by, by the, Mexican and beer. And by the skin of his teeth, Chris is the winner of oh, the The beer contest. You are the beer tap your knowledge champion. Of all the fucking trivia games that I was going to lose to Chris in, it was the beer trivia. Oh, I'm so happy. Poetic justice is a big... Oh, well done, sir. Close game. Good our job. our games come down to the wire. Say what you will. That was every fun, time. <laughs> I'm so well happy. Done, sir. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I, I finally I be tears. Mike. Oh my god, I think I see tears. <laughs> I'm, so happy. I'm not crying, but I'm like legitimately. I, I was coming into this thinking like I have lost four to Mike in a row, and you're about to do bear trip one on one. Like I've beaten Mike in yep. like tandem. So like I, like when we played with Stu, I beat Mike with Stu. But this one was just one of those where <laughs> yeah. it's like. Oh, I needed to get a win under my belt, and I got it, and I got it in a category that Mike has significantly more experience recently than I do. <laughs> yep. All righty. Well, uh, Chris, uh, congratulations on your win. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll go ahead and sign off here. We'll hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Chris uh, finally gets a win. I'm coming for you next time, dude. Uh, always a pleasure, brother. Um, and uh, any any parting words for our listeners? Uh, no parting words, just a reminder. If you're enjoying the show, um, believe it or not, it takes a lot to kind of put this show on on a weekly basis. Uh, so if you want to say thanks to Jeff and myself and Mike and the women that are support us throughout all of this and actually do probably more work than we do, uh, Leah, Nikki, Marissa, if you want to thank us, like seriously, Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. Write us a review. That'd be great. Uh, Facebook and Instagram is Pub Trivia Experience. Twitter at Pub Trivia Pod. PubTriviaExperience.com. Don't forget, check out our sister podcast, Boozy Bracketology. That is a podcast where we will take literally any topic, create a 64-seed bracket, and come and crown a champion this episode will be coming out in March, and I guarantee you're going to want to be there for March because March on Boozy Bracketology is our best TV theme song bracket. Leah has spent hours, and I'm not joking, hours putting together a best TV, th- TV theme song bracket, and you don't want to miss it. Boozy Bracketology, literally anywhere you get podcasts. But you know what? I'm done talking for the night. I am enjoying a win. I am downing my bottle of bourbon. I'm going to pass it over to Mike and Nikki to praise me like they should. (laughs) (laughs) Live it up, bro. You brought brought the redemption, and redemption is now yours. Uh, I'm going to make it my mission to schedule another one-on-one for you sometime soon and uh, reduce your winning percentage just a little bit. But until then, (laughs) enjoy the victory, bro. 20%. Calm the hell down. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's uh, that's even with the Mendoza line, I believe. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right uh, thanks everybody for listening hope you enjoyed it until next time uh i have been your loser for this particular episode mike i'm nikki and i'm chris have a great night everybody <laughs>